very excited about this series. I do want to support and recommend the Calvary Sisterhood Conference. Um, I've seen stuff in our ministry over the last, you know, 17, 18 years. Uh, those women's conferences um, have been transforming. I would love to see 100% of our ladies uh, participate in that conference. And if you can't afford it, we'd love to help make that possible. Um, so I would love for some sponsorships to, to manifest for that. There was one, I remember one testimony where um, one of our ladies that were on the in the conference, the Lord touched her at an altar call, uh, just became overwhelmed by the Spirit of God uh, and was just kind of knocked down, you know, by God and kind of hung out with Jesus on the floor. Come on, haven't we had some carpet time with Jesus before, right? But it was amazing because we did the math later in the testimony, the timing and all this stuff. It was in the evening, it was like a Saturday night. She's being ministered to by the Lord here. Her husband back at the house had done everything he could to make sure she could get there because he knew how much she needed it. And so he was taking care of the kids. He was like vacuuming the house. And he had had bad back problems like for a long time. And so when she went out at the Holy Spirit or at the uh, women's conference, the Lord actually knocked him off his feet at home. And he ended up on the carpet at home same time, right? The two are one. God's ministering, right? He gets up off the floor with a completely healed back. Isn't that amazing? He wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. So let's not put any limits on what God's going to do at that sisterhood conference. Amen? And it's as God is ministering to our wives, to our sisters, to our moms, or, and all that stuff, he's also ministering to the whole family um, as they come home and, and what's going on. So I do want to encourage you with that. I'm very excited about this series. I'd like you to do something for me because um, as I'm kind of getting into the flow of where we're headed today, I'd like to make sure that all of us are completely locked in and ready to go. And I'm not completely convinced that you are ready for the word this morning. So let's go ahead and stand one more time and let's just ask God in another powerful way. Grab your Bibles. Today's going to be very heavily about the Word of God. Grab your Bibles and I want you just to hold it in your arms and I want God just to begin to open up our hearts and increase our expectation for what we're about to receive. If you're at home right now, I expect you to get up off that couch too and that lazy boy. Come on. Don't claim that as your identity in Jesus' name. You're a child of God, not a lazy boy or a lazy girl. Get up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I begin to just pray for a move of your spirit in this message. God, we don't come here just to listen to somebody talk. We have come to receive the living word of God. We have come to receive the incorruptible seed of that word. We've come for the harvest linked to that word. We come to be renewed in our mind. We come to be transformed by that renewal. God, we come for chains to be broken. Lord, we come for victory over sin, victory over selfishness, victory over Satan, God. We come because we believe as we are here, our lives are moving forward, and that, God, you are moving on our behalf with all the stuff that concerns us. God, we cast those cares upon you in Jesus' name. We focus in right now on what you're about to say. We refuse distraction. I break any spirit of distraction in this room right now, any heaviness that is trying to prevent people from locking in. God, we are ready. We are hungry for your word. We extend our faith for that this morning, and we receive the fullness of why we have gathered in the name of Jesus. If you agree with that, say the biggest amen that you have. Amen. All right. Go ahead and have a seat. There you go. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew, chapter 13. We're starting a new series called Rooted. 
Let me kind of give you the background of why I believe God is moving us into this series. And we'll be doing this through September and October. Rooted. We are in a shifting time where there are opinions and there is emotion going all over the place and there's change in the air. You can feel the change in the air. There's uncertainty all over the place. And what God has instructed me to do is to lean heavy into what we believe. The foundations, the, the doctrines that have kept us together for over 2,000 years. As kingdoms have come and kingdoms have gone, as you know, mindsets and fads have moved through the earth, and everyone said, you need to believe this, and you should believe this, and this is the way we should go, and this is what's right. We go back to the word of God. We go back to the foundations of God. Because I believe as we lay hold of these foundations, as we root into these foundations, then no matter what happens in the culture around us, you will be successful. You will overcome. The kingdom of God will advance. Your house will be standing. Come on now. Your life will continue to increase. Your family will be secure because you have rooted in to the incorruptible things. You have rooted in to the stability of God. Amen? And so that's what we're going to be focusing on over the next few weeks are these doctrines, these foundations. You might think, oh, doctrine, theology, that doesn't sound super hipster to me. I'm so glad. That doesn't sound super trendy to me. That's okay. Because these are things that supersede all culture. They supersede all changes of society. And I will direct you and help you see the relevance of each of these doctrines. Amen? We don't believe these things to make us dry and stale. Out of, basically what we're saying is these are the truths that are unchanging. These are the truths that no matter what the culture, no matter what the world is doing, they will remain past any other kingdom or any other idea. These things remain. And the truth in them and the power in those things will remain. So that's why we use this illustration in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking about scattering seed. Verse 1, it says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house, sat beside the lake, a large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got in a boat, and he sat there, and he taught as the people stood on the shore, and he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some, fields, some seed fell on the footpath. The birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. There's rock under the soil there. The seeds sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. You can underline that in your Bibles. We're talking about being rooted. Other seeds fell among thorns, grew up, and other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out those tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear, let them listen and understand. That's what we're pressing for in the next eight weeks or so is understanding. Verse 18, go to verse 18 in the same chapter. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Our desire in these next few weeks is that you not only hear these truths, but you understand them. You understand the why behind them. You understand 
the value of them. You understand how to utilize them in your life. We want you to gain understanding. And because they didn't understand, the Bible says, the evil one came and snatched that truth away, snatched that word away, and the seed that, that seed that was planted in their heart because they didn't get it, because they didn't understand it. That's why it's so important when I say, hey, it's like this, or this is how it relates to your life, or as a single mom, or as a business owner, those are the things that help those things germinate and lock into your soul. The Bible goes on in verse 20, it says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, they immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. Again, rooted. We wanna get you rooted. They fall away as soon as they have problems. We are in a time right now where it seems like every time you turn on the news or every time someone comes in the door or you answer the phone or you look on social media, problems, 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 problems. And the Bible says that because of the lack of deep root, those people, they end up losing what belongs to them. They end up losing the truth of that thing because they get caught up in the problems. They don't have the roots to outgrow those problems or to overcome those problems. They fall away as soon as they have problems or they are persecuted for believing God's word. Hey, that could happen, guys, in the next few little bit here. Being persecuted for believing God's word. And it's important that you can outlast that persecution. Because these truths need to carry on to our children and our grandchildren and if Jesus tarries beyond that. The world tries to tell us what we believe is out of date. It doesn't matter. I am going to show you in the next few weeks that what we believe will outlast every critic, will outlast every you know, antagonist of this word. It always has. This isn't the only culture, only time period where people have tried to say that God's word isn't true. And you know what? All of those naysayers and all those critics are dead and gone. And his word is still producing fruit, still changing lives. Amen. Persecuted for believing the word. The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word. And all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so then there's no fruit produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand. You can write that in your notes. Today we want to hear, we want to understand God's word. And that, that produces harvest of 30, 60, even 100 fold of what was planted. Why do we need to be rooted in our beliefs? Because in life there's going to be things like storms. Storms come and it's what you're rooted in that keeps you strong and rooted while the winds are blowing, while the rains are coming. There's going to be heat. The world and life is gonna put some heat on you, amen, it happens. And you have to know how to stay refreshed and put those roots down deep into the soil to get the water, to get the refreshing, amen. We can, what I love about it, no matter what's happening on the outside of us, we have the capacity to just keep sending those roots down deeper and getting the nutrients and the refreshing that we need. That means that we don't wait for the season for us to flourish. We don't wait for the season to change for us to flourish. We can go down deeper into what God has given us and pull up the nutrients and the life that we need and we can prosper in every single season. Say that about yourself. I can prosper in every single season. Amen. Don't sit there and say, well, there's a famine out there. It doesn't matter because my roots can go down deeper. There's a drought out there. There's a drought of truth. There's a drought of prosperity. It doesn't matter. My roots can go down deeper and I can prosper. You can prosper. And persecution. You need your roots down there deep because you know what? People are going to try to come and pull you out of what you believe. 
And so your roots are down deep and you can't get it out. They can't pull your faith out of you. They can't pull your trust out of you. They can't pull your relationship with God out of you. Come on. Because social media will try to do that. They'll try to tell you that you're wrong. You're irrelevant. You're living in the past. That you're living in under fairy tales. And they're trying to persecute you to get you to stop believing what God has promised or what God has spoken. But let me, let me, let me just challenge you with this. If you look at their life, their life is not better than the life Jesus Christ has been producing in your life. They try to get you to believe their lie that has no root, that hasn't been tested, that hasn't been tried. And probably in six months, they're going to believe something different anyway. And you just gave up what you believed to put your life upon what they believe. And they don't even know if they eat meat or if they drink almond milk or soy milk. And they change their mind over. They have all kinds of things they're creating to try to find. You understand what I'm saying? It's shifting sands. But what you believe will outlast. And it's important in times that are tumultuous to know these foundational truths to anchor in. I remember hearing a testimony of a guy who had, he's now an evangelist, but he was talking about when he got saved. He was addicted to drugs. He was a rock, rock and roll kind of guy. And he was in a hotel somewhere. And his life was just spinning. And I think he mentioned he was, being, he was suicidal. He, just, he was just done. And his head was just going nuts. I don't know if you remember what it was like before Christ or if you've ever had one of those journeys where the, the, the influence and the attack and the things going on in your head, they're so overwhelming. I mean, this gentleman was to the point of taking his own life. His life was spinning. That's the way he described it. My life was spinning out of control. And he found himself in a hotel in the floor of the bathroom contemplating whether or not he was going to stay or go or take his life, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. And he just fell to the floor, and he had heard a sermon on television, I think in the hotel room. He just went to the bathroom and just kind of dropped. And this is what he said. He said he, he grabbed a hold of the bathtub, and in that moment, he knew one thing was real, because all these things were going in his head. He just knew that this bathtub was real. And he just held on to it. He said it was hard and it was cold. And, and then from there he said he went and he grabbed a hold of the sink. And he said, this sink is real. And then he began to just step by step, piece by piece, find other things that he knew were solid. And he knew were real. And God used that kind of journey to help stop the spin in his life and bring him to saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that in your life. But I have. I've been in times where I didn't have answers to my questions, times where I was overwhelmed by what life was happening to me, I would say happening to me at that time. I was overwhelmed by the disappointments or the frustrations or in my head and my brain was all over the place. And in a similar way, what God led me to do out of that story was he began to say, Kevin, I want you to write down all the things you know to be true. Rather than living from all the questions, start building yourself back up through your answers. Because what happens is the devil will keep throwing questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And what about this? And it's like you're just being overwhelmed, right? Because the battlefield is in the mind. He's attacking you in your head. And so I just took a piece of paper and I began to write things like this. I know there is a God. 
I know that Jesus Christ is God's son and is God. I know that God's word is true. I know that God fills us with his Holy Spirit. I know. And so I began getting my eyes intentionally off of what I didn't know. Off of the questions that were driving my emotions, that were driving my internal feelings. And I began to deliberately lay hold of what I knew to be true. And it stopped the spin. It stopped the spin. Are you understanding this? And so what we're doing in the next eight weeks is we're laying hold of what we know. And from what we know, we'll be able to face what we don't know. From what we know. I'm excited. So week one. What is it that we know in week one? Write this down. We know the Bible is God's inspired word. That's what we're going to talk about all day today for the rest of our time together. Number one truth that we know, that God's word is inspired. It is not like any other book in the library. It is not like some other magazine. It is not a book of just opinions from people who are just like us. This Bible has come to us from God himself. And we're going to talk about why that's important and how that helps us. So I want you to write that down, and I want your roots to go down deep into this one thought. God's word, this book, is God's inspired. He inspired it. He's led it. It's from him to you. This is not from your church. This is not from your religion. Come on now. This is not from one human being, prophet, who says, this is what I think you should do. This book was designed over thousands of years. This book was led to be put together. This book has been protected by God. This book has been inspired by God. And it has been given to you as a gift from God. It's not like any other book. It's not like any other holy book in any other religion. It is different. This is God's inspired word to us. Open your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Now, in my journey in getting this together, I could have gone down the road of telling you the journey of how the Bible had come together and the way that they brought the 66 books together. I could go down the whole path on manuscripts and the amount of manuscripts that we have that give us confidence that the writings that we have have not been tampered with or touched. I could give you all kinds of reasons historically but today, I don't want to get drawn down how the Bible came to us. We could do that another time. You could even look that study up yourself. It's more important today, not that I tell you how the Bible came to us, but what the Bible is for us. And so today, I'm asking you to take a jump with me, a faith journey with me, and say, okay, if that's God's inspired book to me, why does that matter? And to begin to have a relationship with this book as God's inspired word to us. What I can tell you with confidence is as you go through the journey of how the Bible came together, I believe you'll see more and more the confidence that we have. No other book has come to, into existence like this book. And so I have no worries about you pursuing how this book was gathered together. But today I want to focus on what does it mean that this book is God's inspired word to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. 
You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They have, been, they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God. Underline that in your Bible. It's inspired by God and is useful. Say useful. To teach us what is true. Hallelujah. To teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. My friends, there is a standard of right and wrong, and it comes from God who made us. It comes from the creator of all things. Not from the creation, from the creator. Amen. This word corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. It trains us in righteousness, the Bible says. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. God uses this word. This word is inspired by God, and God uses this word to make you able to do everything he's called you to do. I want you to see the value in this word, how God uses it, that the Bible even says this book is not like any other book where it comes out of man's wisdom. It comes from God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you would, please. 1 Thessalonians, let me find it in my Bible while we're together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Are you excited about God's word today? Amen. I'm coming up on it. Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Therefore, we never stop thanking God. That when you received his message from us, you did not think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. I want you to see here in Thessalonians how Paul is saying, look, when you heard this word, you didn't just say, oh, that's Paul's nice thoughts. That's the pastor or preacher's nice thoughts. What he was saying was, you received this as God speaking to us, which indeed he was. In this Bible, it's not just the thoughts of the Apostle Paul. It's not the thoughts of James or the thoughts of Moses or the thoughts of Samuel or the thoughts of these people. These words were inspired by God for these individuals to speak them and then for them to be written. And these words, because they're from God, they, God uses them and these words continue to work in you. These words, as they go into you this morning, when you hear God's word preached or you read God's word for yourself, it's not like you read the dictionary. It's not like you read the encyclopedia. It's God's word, and he's putting it in you, and it gets inside of you, and it begins to germinate. It begins to grow. It begins to transform you. You might not even know you're changing while you receive it. I'm here to try to give you revelation of what's happening, why you have to hunger for this word, why you submit yourself to this word. It's not like every other book. It's not like going to history class in high school or history class in college. It's not history. It's living. It's active. It's God, and as his word gets in you, it's changing you. It's changing your thoughts, and it's changing changing the direction and course of your life, but it's not just the way you think. There's actually power in that word to produce what that word is saying. This is a living and active exchange that God is doing while we're listening to this word. Why? Because it's words coming from God, and his words are spirit, and they are life, and so you're not just hearing information, you're getting spirit and life, and you are a spirit being, and your spirit being is feeding on that spirit word, and you want life, and that life is being deposited while you're receiving this word. Don't let anyone distract you from this word. 
word. Don't let anyone take this word from your heart. This is food to your spirit, which is eternal. Your physical body will pass away. That spirit is eternal. You were made by this word. We are held together by this word. The worlds were formed by this word. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I need to take a breath or I'm about to pass out. Why don't you just clap so I can breathe? Listen, we believe this word. It's not a book written from man's understanding. It was designed by God. It is God's word and it is continuing to work on the inside of you. That's why it provokes you in the morning. It provokes you at night. It agitates you in a good way. It won't leave you. You're like, why is this? It's, it's just it's, what Pastor said on Sunday is still here because it's living and active on the inside of you. You're a professor at school. You can't wait to leave because you're like bored to tears. Not apologize if you're a really good professor, but you know what I'm saying. This isn't like history class. This isn't like just learning about history. You're changing. Things are shifting in your life and on the inside of you. Your capacity is changing as you submit to that word of God. This is not like any other book. This is God's word to us. It is producing, it continues to work in you who believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from that prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved on by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. That's so key, guys, that we know this. These, the book of Isaiah, the book of Ezekiel, right? These prophets in the Bible, Daniel, as they were moved upon by God. This isn't these guys just saying, I'm gonna make a diary of my thoughts. But God moves on them. And they begin to write, and they begin to do what God has poured into them to do because God was putting something together that would far outlive them and would be used to transform and change the world. So why does this matter to you? Great question. Why does this matter to you that God's word is inspired? Sounds like it's just doctrine. Sounds like it's just theology. The reason this matters to us, I'll give you a couple key reasons, and we're just going to talk it through. Ready? Reason number one. The reason this matters to you, that God's word is inspired from God to you, is this. God's revealed will. God's word is God's revealed will. That is huge, everybody. God's revealed will from God himself. Let me say it like this. What is God like? Well, his word reveals it. What does God want? His word reveals it. But this isn't a man coming up with, I think God wants this. God wants us to wear purple on Tuesdays. God wants us to throw things in a volcano to appease him. God wants us to do, do you understand how man's wisdom is foolishness? God's word being inspired by God, listen, inspired by God, that means as God's revealing who he is, revealing what he wants, it's coming from him. So you don't have to wonder if it's true. You don't have to wonder if what you're doing is pleasing him or not. We're not just coming up with stuff. We're not just making up stuff. I hope he likes this. I'm wearing purple. 
God wants you to this and this and this and this. And people are coming up with all kinds of things. Do you understand the peace this gives us? The confidence? God, what do you want? He's like, look in my word. It's all right there. How do I know if I'm pleasing you? You can know by looking in that word. It's all right there. And by the way, once you do what I've asked you to do, you can say, I am pleasing to God. Rather than, I hope I'm doing enough. I'm hoping I'm giving enough. I hope I'm sacrificing enough. I hope I'm behaving well enough. Uh, does it, how many good things does it take to wipe out a bad thing? Oh, da, 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 da. It takes the blood of Jesus. So you're not on that wheel sitting there saying, well, I sinned five times. Now I've got to go do seven good deeds, walk up a mountain with a goat, and then I've got to like eat corn for seven days, and I've got to shave my head, and I've got to do this. I don't even know where this is coming from. This is just me being spontaneous, and I don't even, it's not, it's not, it's not it, that's man's inspired. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, but people come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. How do I get rid of the bad? You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to say this many things. You've got to spin around seven times. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And God is saying, this is how you please me. You accept my free gift of grace in Christ. So you can be at peace. So you can be at peace because my word is inspired from me and I'm telling you how to relate to me. I'm telling you how to stay in right standing with me. I'm giving you all you need to know from me. This is not man telling you about God. This is God telling you about himself. Are you understanding? So all those questions, how do I please him? How do I know I'm forgiven? It's all right there in the book. God's revealed will. Your identity. This is God's revealed will. Write this down. Please take notes right now. You're not going to remember everything I'm telling you. How do I know to please him? It's in the book. What about your identity? Because the world's trying to tell you what your identity is. The world's trying to shape your identity. But you know what? God's already put in his book how he sees you, who you are, what you're capable of. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are a king's kid. Amen. You are royalty in the earth. You are the head. You're not the tail. You're above only. You're not beneath. You are the body of Christ. You are the temple of the Spirit of God. Amen. You are the salt. You are the light. You are a city on a hill. But you know what? How many times do we feel like we're nothing? We're meaningless. Even the world will say, you as a Christian, you have no voice. You cannot put a basket over us, the Bible says. You cannot light a lamp and try to hide it. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So even if the culture says we're not listening, they're really listening because you bear the word of God. You are the light in this world. Are you understanding what I'm saying? They can tell you all day they're not watching. Then why are they so upset with us? Why do they keep telling us they're not watching? If they're not watching, they wouldn't say anything. But because they are watching, they keep saying. Are you understanding? Because you do matter, we keep distracting their conversation. If we were that irrelevant, they'd never bring us up. You're like, if I was that insignificant, why do you keep talking about me? If what I believe was that insignificant, why do you keep writing books against it? Hello? God's word gives you your identity. You're like, well, my mom and dad didn't parent me right or give me a great identity. God's word gives you identity. Come on. God's word gives you identity. God's word teaches you how to prosper. Spirit, soul, and body. Shalom. Amen. Every area of your life. God's revealed will. There's a quote I want you to write down. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith can begin where the will of God is known. What I love about it is it comes from the word. And the word says this is who you are. My faith can begin there because it's in the word. 
It's not because I want to look like this, I want to feel like this, I want to feel special. Do you understand this? So different. I'm hoping you're getting all this. This is not me saying, I want to feel forgiven. This is how I think I'm going to be forgiven. I hope I'm forgiven. This is God saying, this is how you are forgiven. This is how you stand in righteousness. You can have confidence that you're forgiven. Are you seeing the difference? Faith begins where the will of God is known. So the will of God is known because the word of God is the revealed will of God. The will of God is known because the word of God is the revealed will of God. It is not a hidden will. It is not a mystery to you. It is the revealed will of God in his word. How do I please him? What's my identity? How you prosper? How do I overcome sin? How do I overcome Satan? How do I overcome myself? It's all in the book. Do you know you can live victorious over sin? When I was a kid growing up, everyone taught me how to repent of my sin, but no one taught me that I could live free from sin. Now, we do make mistakes, and we do continue to miss the mark, and we do continue to sin, and I get that, but my objective and my goal is not to just know how to ask for forgiveness. My goal is to outgrow those sins that so easily beset me. The Bible says that sin no longer has dominion over you. That was in the inspired word. So when we start making sin so great that you can never defeat it, and we just start telling people, you're gonna, this is just who you're going to be, just, just know how to ask forgiveness, just know how to cope or live with this sin, we're not preaching the inspired word of God, we're preaching the ideas of man. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Consider yourself dead to sin and sin dead to you. That's all in the inspired word of God. That's God saying, hey, stop living like sin is alive. Live like you're dead to it. Live live like it's been buried. Come on. This is God telling you, this is what I've done for you. This is from God. Oh, and by the way, if you do sin, just confess before the Lord. Don't make it a bigger deal than it needs to be. And he is faithful and just. He forgives us our sins, cleanses us from unrighteousness. Don't let sin sit there and dominate you, persecute you, press you down to something. You sit there and start calling yourself a sinner again rather than a son changing your identity back to a sinner. You are not a sinner anymore. You are a son. You're a daughter. Amen. You may sin every once in a while, but that's not who you are. And I'm not going to get through this. Dear Lord, help me, Jesus, on this. How do I raise my children? It's in the inspired manual of God, the book. What's available to you? It's all in the book. We just took communion over the covenants of God. It's all in the book. There's so much available to you. The devil's been defeated. He's a defeated foe under our feet. Your flesh has been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. In this life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Amen. What's available to you? How about access to the throne of grace to find help when I need it? Complete entry into the throne of God's grace. What's available to you? It's all in the book. That's why it's so important. We say this word is inspired by God. It comes from God to us because this is God saying what's available to you. This is not man saying, man, I wish, I wish that God would bless me. This is God saying, I desire to bless you. You see the difference? It's not man saying, this is what I want. This is God saying, this is what I'm offering. And this is how you possess what I'm offering. And this is how you access what I'm offering comes from me. It comes from me. How do we receive eternal life? 
because each one of us will at some point in our journey transition from this life to the next. And I want to know from God how I get into his eternity. I don't want human beings saying, I think this is how you can live forever. Or this is my opinion on eternity. I'd rather have the one that died, went through death, and came out the other side and say, let me tell you how to get here. Are you? Because that's a big deal. I think out of all the things I want to know, I want to know how to win over death. And I don't want 57,000 opinions from someone who's making up stuff. I want to know how to defeat death from the one that did. You like that? It's only one person qualified to tell me how to get into the next life. Amen. Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's why I want you to know this, what this word is saying about you and how God is for you. And you know God's will about you because it gives you this assurance. Because it doesn't matter what's going on in the chaos of the world around us. It doesn't matter because I know I'm in right standing with God. I know I have access to the throne of grace. I know eternal life is assured in Christ. I have certain things that I know. It's like the bathtub. It's like the, the sink. Are you hearing this? And so it doesn't matter what's going on out here because I know if God is for me, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. And the only way I know that I know that I know God is for me is by living according to the word that he has given me about himself. Number two reason why it's important to know God's word is inspired. You're like, Pastor Kevin, you're only on point two? Yeah. It's important that you realize God's word is inspired because it is the straight line to judge all others. I have this yardstick just as an example. In this world, every opinion, every thought known to man is flying at you all the time. We have to have a standard of right and wrong. Do you understand this? We have to have a standard of right and wrong. Write that down, of right and wrong. You have to have a standard of good and evil. You must have a standard of truth and lies. I know there's people out there who say there's no such thing as truth, it's all subjective. Well, I judge that statement against the fact that there is truth. And by the way, that statement in itself, there is making an absolute truth. You missed that. The statement that says there's no such thing as absolute truth is an absolute statement. That's how crazy it is out there. God's word is the straight line. And so when a thought in your head or some suggestion of culture begins to do this, you know how to bring it back. If you don't know where the straight line is, you could be heading off in the wrong direction and you have no idea how far off you are because you don't know the standard. 
And the standard comes from the creator. The standard comes from the one with authority. The standard comes from, one that, from the designer of a thing. Amen. And so this is why it's so important that we know God's word is absolute truth. Right and wrong, good and evil, moral or sin, truth or lie. Write all that down. Let me say it like this. Culture changes its beliefs. They are based on times, seasons, and opinion. Culture isn't qualified to determine truth. Listen, culture changes its beliefs. They are based on the current times, based on seasons, based on opinion. Culture can be influenced by a small group of people with a loud voice that do not have the wisdom or perspective to define truth. Do you know there are thought people, thought engineers that are creating what they believe to be the future? And then they insert that into media, into entertainment, into all kinds of things. A sm culture can be influenced by a small group of people that are not qualified to determine truth. Do you understand this? And they just preach it loud enough, they put enough money behind it, they put the right people in right platforms to, to promote it, and they sell their truth, but they are not qualified to create truth. Only God is qualified to create truth. Amen. Culture's beliefs can be corrupted by personal agendas. How I many not to be true? Cultural beliefs can be corrupted by individuals' personal agendas. Lastly, number three. So the first one I said, it's important that you know God's revealed will. That's why it's important you know that it's inspired. Number two, that you know it's inspired from God so you can judge all other things. You can judge all other things. So when culture tries to sell you a truth, you say, well, what does God's word say about that? Amen? And at the end of it all, if culture's going one way and God's word's going another, then let God be true and every man a liar. Do you have enough courage to do that? Let God be true and every man a liar. But all of culture, all of society is saying this. The majority is saying this. I don't care about the majority. I care about the singular mind of God. I care about one opinion. It could be seven billion to one and I'm gonna go with the one. Amen? Amen? Lastly, number three, and I'm gonna take an extra five minutes to do this one, because I love this. So number one, I know I'm repeating myself, but Jesus did it too, he said again, I say to you. This is my teacher side in me. Why is it important that you know God's word is inspired? Because it's his revealed will. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Number two, so that you have confidence it is the straight line by which all other things are judged. Number three, the reason it's important that you know it's inspired is that God's word contains and releases God's power and authority. God's word contains and releases God's power and authority. Unlike when you read out of a dictionary, when I speak God's scripture, God's word, power is released. It's a seed sown that begins to create and produce fruit and harvest. When God begins to pr pronounce his word, it's like the power to perform what he just said 
is released. The authority to perform what he just said is released. It's not like any other book. Let me say it like this. Jeremiah 1. I'm going to give you about seven, eight scriptures right now, so write fast. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. God is not hastening to the dictionary, to the encyclopedia, to the newspaper. Come on now. He is watching over his word to perform what that word has said, what that word has decreed. Psalms 100, verse 3, 103, verse 20. Psalms 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, his mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. God's angels hearken, that's a good Bible word, King James word. His angels go to action, go into effect to do what God's word has said God wants to do. I can read out of the dictionary, I can read out of the encyclopedia, I can read out of a magazine as angels just stand there. But I begin to read and speak God's word and the angels of heaven begin to move, begin to be released, begin to go into effect, begin to shift things. Why? Because it's his revealed will. This is God's will. This word is God's will. And they obey his will. And they don't just obey your will, by the way. They obey his will. But if my will is in alignment with his word, then they obey what's coming out of your mouth. That's why we pray his word. They're not heeding to your word. They're heeding his word proceeding out of your mouth. Are you hearing me? This is not like any other book. When you're hearing scripture in church, it's not like just a lecture. This is not a lecture. This is God's word being sown into your heart and stuff is happening. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Is not my word, God says, like a fire? Is not my word like a fire that consumes all that cannot endure the test? Says the Lord, my word is like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance. What if you're facing resistance? What if the enemy's putting up roadblocks? Do you sit there and you just begin to complain about it? Or how about you declare God's word and promise to it, and that word begins to break up that opposition, Begins because God gave you a promise, and you're quoting his promise. You're standing on his promise. This isn't your opinion. It's his promise. And his promise is being released out of your mouth, and that anointing is in that word. That, that power is in that word. His angels begin to move on behalf of that word, and it begins to beat against that opposition. Are you seeing this? Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. It shall accomplish. What? The word shall accomplish. The word does the work. The word is doing the battling. The word is going before you. It shall accomplish. What's the it? It is the word that came out of his mouth. It is not just information. It is impartation. It is transformation. It's revelation. It's power. It's anointing. Amen. It shall accomplish that which I purpose, 
and shall succeed in the thing which I sent it. God sends his word into situations, into things, and it begins to move things. It begins to create things, begins to shift things. Psalms 107, verse 20. He sent out his word and healed them. He just spoke the word. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. John chapter 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. These words are not just words. They are inspired. They are words from God to you. My words are spirit and they are life. This is why when you read your word daily, you're putting in spirit and life into your thirsty soul. It's not just I missed my Bible time or I missed whatever. We have to start having this value of the word of God. It's not, it's not like, oh, I've got to check in and do my, my devotion or whatever. I want us to start seeing the time in the word as so valuable, as affecting great change, as anointing being poured in, as God's power being poured in, you being filled up, life being poured in. That's why when we, we walk with someone that's going through sickness, or we walk with someone that's going through trouble, as we're giving them scriptures, they're not just scriptures to encourage, it's food for the soul. It's food for the soul. It's real, it's living, it's active, it's life. You're, put, you're literally pouring life into somebody by using scripture. It's way different than just, oh, I hope you do better. You're pouring life. You're pouring spirit back into their spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields, which is the word of God. I had an illustration a few months ago where I had a sword here and I talked about, you know, taking it out of your belt and using it. I love that the Bible says that the Spirit, capital S, this is the Holy Spirit of God, uses the Word of God to battle, to fight with. The weapon of choice against the enemy from God is the, is the Word of God. The sword the Spirit wields. The sword, the weapon the Spirit of God chooses to use against the enemy is the Word of God. So if that's the weapon that the Holy Spirit chooses to use, should that not be the weapon we choose to use? What greater weapon would you have if, if God's very own Spirit says, this is the weapon I use against the enemy, then it's also our weapon. And when you're battling the enemy, don't sit there and just use your words. Let God's Word proceed out of your mouth. God's Word proceed out of your mouth. So in conclusion, we believe God's word is inspired. It's not like any other book or writing. It is living and active. It's not informational, it's transformational. God's word is our standard for truth in a world that is spinning with opinions. God's word is his gift into our lives. His word is not a burden to us. It's food for us. It's life for us. It's not old-fashioned, it's not dead, it's living. Amen? Amen? So what do you do? Pastor Kevin, what's, what should I do with all this today? I would ask you to do one thing. Make a fresh commitment to get into God's Word. Make a fresh commitment today. Start there. 
And I want to encourage you that God will help you understand that word as well. I love that we have equipped classes now. If you want to start getting into more discussion, more teaching based on that, where you break it up a little bit and really start being discipled in that word, get into an equipped class. We have stuff here for you to help you with that. But even if you can't get into a equipped class, congregation, Calvary, make a fresh commitment today to say, you know what, starting today or starting tomorrow morning, I want you to take a Bible. If you haven't done that recently, I want you to take a Bible. I want you to set it by your bed. I want, to, I want you to set it where you have your coffee. And I want you to get ready to succeed in a healthy habit and start reading your Bible again tomorrow morning or tonight even. If you start today, it's okay. And make a commitment. Make a commitment between you and God. It doesn't have to be this big, long thing like I'm going to read an hour of God's Word a day. You could say, I'm going to start with one chapter. I'll read one chapter a day. You say, Pastor Kevin, where should I start? I would encourage you to start in the New Testament. Possibly the book of John. That's a really great book to start in, but just start in the New Testament and read all the way through the New Testament. We're followers of Jesus. You should get to know him well. Amen? Say, Pastor Kevin, that seems really practical. I know, right? That's a great way to start. Tomorrow morning, you put that Bible out. and Get a Bible you can understand, by the way. There's all kinds of good translations out there now. I teach out of the New Living Translation, in case you wonder. But just make sure you grab a Bible that you can understand. Or download it on your phone or your iPad or whatever. That's the one ask I have of you this morning, is make a fresh commitment to get God's Word into your heart today. Go ahead and stand up. Let's close in a word of prayer. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, right now I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you that we are rooted, grounded, that we believe your word is inspired and that matters to us. Your word is not like any other thing, any other word. And God, I pray that this truth goes down deep inside of us, that the way we relate to this word changes in our lives. The way we think about the word of God changes for some of us today. Maybe we didn't realize these things. Maybe we just saw it as some religious book. But today we see the potential. We see this God's word is so much more than just religious doctrine, God. It's living. It's active. There's reason this word matters to us. So, God, I thank you for a fresh commitment for this church, for this body, to make personally to your word. And we enjoy it. We are thankful for your word. We are thankful that we're not trying to figure it out in the dark, but you've already communicated your truth. We're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate that one more time? All right. Let me ask a question. Let me ask a question. If you don't know Jesus Christ today as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you've never given your life to him, or you'd like to say, I need to recommit my life to Jesus today. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every one of us needs a Savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages and penalty of our sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's, that's God's inspired word revealed to you. If you will call on him today, you will be forgiven of your sin, you will be saved from death and hell, and you'll be saved unto relationship with him and a great plan he has for your life. And so today I ask you, where are you with Jesus? Where are you with God? If you say, I've never prayed a prayer to give my life to Jesus, let's do it today. 
Or if you say, I walked away from my relationship with Jesus and I want to recommit myself. Let's do that today. So if you would all bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds, when I count to three, I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand as an acknowledgement that you want to give your life to Jesus. And we'll pray for you right at your seat. Ready? Don't worry about the person on your left or your right. This is the most important decision that you have right now. If you need to get right with Jesus, when I count to three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Would you please put your hand up? There's a hand right there. Awesome. Anybody else today? Two hands. Anybody else today? I need to get right with Jesus. Just put your hand up. You're pointing that way. Three, okay, back there. Thank you so much. Three, three, four, five. Awesome, I see you. Awesome, awesome. Six, back that way. Awesome, wonderful. Anyone else? Just put it up high. This is your acknowledgement. This is you saying, God, I'm doing this. Put your hand up. Right here. Awesome. Seven, I think that is. Praise God. All right, church, let's pray together so no one's praying by themselves. Pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Celebrate that. That's awesome. Welcome home. Hallelujah. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.